0: You are listening to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Lisa Clark, and I'm joined here each episode with my co-host, Chrissy Dunham, and we just want to say thanks for tuning in. Have you ever wondered what the Bible has to say about worry and fear? Have you ever wondered how to decorate an odd-shaped room? Have you ever wondered how to make a quiche with a sweet potato crust? (laughs) Well, you're in the right place because we talk about all the things— If we don't know the answers to some of life's biggest, most wonderful questions, the guests we have on certainly will. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Wonder Podcast.
1: Welcome to The Wonder Podcast. My name is Christy Dunham, and I am here with my ministry partner and podcast co-host, Lisa Clark. We are in Frisco, Texas, and we attend a church called Prestonwood Baptist Church, two locations, one in Plano and one in Prosper. And Lisa, before we get started and we do a drum whirl to introduce our guest, tell me what's shaking
0: over there on the lakes where on you live. On the lakes, what's shaking? Yeah, what's shaking? Uh, hi, everybody. So Not a whole lot. You know, we are into the fall now and ready for pumpkins and all things fall spice, all that kind of good stuff. Heading out of town on a few trips and, you know, just just doing the thing. Right. All right. Well, it's good to know. I always need to check in on you now and then. I know. Lisa and I are actually...
1: Uh, I'm looking out a window right now, and if there were some trees go- down, I could actually see her house from my window. I know, so, I love that. That's pretty cool. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. But Lisa, a few years ago, Charlie and I have been a part of Prestonwood since 2000, and the Lord moved us to the north campus. Like I said, we have two locations, and we helped launch a class up there and got involved with this campus, and I ran into the guy that runs it. His name is Dr. Connor Bells. And ladies and gentlemen, he is our guest today.
2: (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on with you ladies, and uh, looking forward to getting to chat with you for a few minutes this afternoon.
1: Well, Connor, why don't you just kick us off for our listeners that may not know much about you? Why don't you just give us a little background of how you became a pastor, how the Lord called you to where you are today.
2: Yeah, thank you. So I am a graduate of Texas Tech University with a degree in landscape architecture, and that's what I always thought I would do. And I married my college sweetheart, Mary. We have been married for 22 years. We have five amazing children. And about 10 years into my business career, I felt very clearly God calling me into the ministry. And so I didn't know exactly how I was going to navigate that, took a left turn, and began seminary classes at night and online. Had the total support of my wife, Mary, and we were beginning to grow our family as well. And, and then through a series of circumstances, uh, through the gift of one of my girls, God kind of changed the trajectory of my life and my ministry. And I made some great friendships at Prestonwood and had the opportunity to join the staff on the Plano campus, working with young married couples. And uh, did that for a few years before I served uh, in East Texas for seven years, co-leading a church there. And then in 2019, came back and accepted a calling to pastor the North Campus here at Prestonwood. And so been very busy since God called us back to the to the Metroplex and in particular to Prestonwood, but very grateful for what he's doing here now.
1: So the North Campus, for those of you that don't know the area, Prosper is actually a suburb of North Dallas. And it's one of the fastest growing areas In the state of Texas, and some say in the U.S., you can read all kinds of things, but just being there, it is packed. It is a very busy area. No matter where you go, the roads are crowded, and all kinds of things are being built. There are homes being built everywhere, and I'm thankful that Connor is there to lead us and guide us into what the best way is to get the gospel out, because the Lord has basically brought prosper a mission field. So very excited to be a part of that and excited to hear more from you today. So you talked about your family. Why don't you tell us about your family and your kids?
2: Yeah. So again, Mary and I have been married 22 years. We've been together 25. And our oldest daughter is a freshman at Dallas Baptist University, just dropped her off within the last month. And uh, that's really hard, but she's thriving and doing great as a freshman at DBU. And then I have a son who is 15, almost 16 years old, who is a sophomore at Prestonwood Christian Academy. I have a daughter named Libby, who is 13. She'll be 14 this fall. And her younger sister named Hannah, who is 10, will be 11 this fall. And both of them are in the active learning classroom at Prosper ISD. And then the greatest surprise of my life is in the third grade. She's eight years old. Her name is Campbell. And my girls in the middle, Libby and Hannah, are really one of the most unique parts of our family dynamic because both girls have a very rare chromosomal abnormality called trisomy 16P. And it is, again, very, very rare, and uh, it is a a genetic condition. And both girls, although 13 and 10 years of age, are cognitively and developmentally about nine months. And so they require full-time round-the-clock care, and they have had significant medical complications throughout their life. And, and so my family dynamic is often centered around the girls. And, and my older kids have been uniquely blessed and also unusually challenged because of the life God has entrusted to their sisters. and uh, But it has shaped forever who we are and, uh, and our understanding of what God has called us to do. And uh, a great deal of my ministry is, uh, is devoted to helping people navigate seasons of suffering.
0: Honor, we had Mary on the podcast several years ago. And she walked us through your story and having the girls and the chances of it of the rare chromosomal condition happening in in you know, I think in Hannah was like nothing, right? You know, it was almost a zero right, right. and and how that came about and all of that. And she just did an excellent job of sharing with us. And so you've written a book to kind of walk people through that realization that these these struggles in life are real and, and they come at us at, di- at different places and in different ways. And, and the book is called Counted Worthy. Yeah. And that's kind of been your message through all of this, hasn't it? That God, this is who you've called us to as a family and we're thankful and we are up for the challenge.
2: Yeah, that's it, Lisa. I will tell you, this is not the ministry that I would have chosen for myself. And it's not what I would have ever imagined God having chosen for me. But it is what he seems to have given for us to steward and the way in which he has chosen to use us. I, I, I discovered early on after Libby's diagnosis, again, this was 13 years ago, almost 14 years ago now, that my understanding what I would even articulate today, my theology of suffering was anemic. It was just undeveloped. It was spiritually immature and 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 it was just lacking. And so I needed to to grow. But what I didn't realize is how to hold intention two great realities. One is the belief as a follower of Jesus Christ that God is always good. Hmm. But also, to hold in equal tension, this reality as a dad who is watching my little girl suffer, that life is sometimes really bad. And it seemed to me that some of the teaching that we were receiving and some of the encouragement and coaching and counsel that was shared with us early on demanded that we let go of one of those two things if we were going to hold on to the other. In other Mm -hmm. words, if we were going to maintain a steadfast belief that God is always good, then we had to somehow act like this part of our life wasn't really bad. But but it was. And, yeah. and I couldn't I couldn't reconcile. And uh, and w- what changed for me was Libby was about 18 months old and and Mary and I had already had extensive hospital time with her and surgeries and and lots of disappoint, disappointing doctor's appointments. and But we were trying to get our sea legs underneath us with what our new normal was going to be. And I was reading in the Bible in John chapter 9 one day, and there's a great story of Jesus doing earthly ministry with his disciples, and they encounter a man who was born with the condition of blindness. And the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So it would have been uh, a cultural understanding at the day of Christ, during the, the life of Christ, that a, a Jewish person might have believed if someone has an ailment, especially they were born with one, that it had to be some type of generational sin. And, and Jesus quickly answered the question. I had asked similar questions, Mary and I, since we had gotten Libby's diagnosis early on, that what, what happened? Like Mary's pregnancy was normal. Her delivery was normal. We've cared for ourselves as as best we can. There was no signs or indicate, like, what happened? I'm surrendered to the ministry. We are being generous with our time and with our resources. Like, how could my little girl be facing such difficulty and experiencing such suffering? Yeah. And Jesus, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God might d- be displayed in him. And that changed me because yeah. I kept reading. And, and later in the story, you know, Jesus makes mud puts it on the man's eyes, he he Mm -hmm. washes and his sight is restored. But the declaration of God's workmanship happens prior to the healing ever taking place. And what I learned was God was very good to me in in that I'm going to work in your daughter's life, regardless of whether the healing comes on this side of eternity or the other. And, And so it forever changed the trajectory of my understanding of suffering and and how God chooses to work in the midst of it. And that's how you hold, as a follower of Christ, that's how you hold intention, the goodness of God and the badness of sometimes in our life.
1: Wow. So when you wrote the book, what was the purpose of writing it? What did you want the reader to get out of it? What was the main idea that you wanted people to walk away with?
2: Well, I wanted them to know that God is always with us. And and the Bible is clear that he never leaves us, nor does he forsake us. And and it's in the difficulty of suffering. It, it's in the uh, I in the book, I, I talk about, you know, crashing in the ditch. It's in the ditch where Jesus shows up. It's in the despair when when you you're all alone, that you will sense the the great presence of God. And and uh, so I wanted people to know that that they're not alone for feeling heartbroken and sad and and angry and and disappointed and discouraged. and and that God is still good, even in the middle of that. And wh- what I choose to believe about the, the challenge of suffering is that, so when we got, so uh, a little bit of our story. So we decided we wanted to grow our family. And and after Libby was a, a few years old and we were starting to navigate a new normal, we were blessed to get pregnant with Hannah and now mary went and saw all the specialists even though her pregnancy with libby was perfectly fine she she had all the justification in the world to go get all the extra care and and when hannah was born there were no external indications right away that that she was going to have the same complications her older sister did she didn't have a congenital heart defect and she didn't require as long in the nicu and uh, but mary and i just never felt quite right and so we had her genetically tested and uh, And in December of 2011, our pediatrician called and my mom came over and kept the three kids and we took Hannah with us and went to the pediatrician's office. And he told us that the director of the laboratory had called him personally because they had run the results twice. And despite the mathematical impossibilities, Hannah was a genetic match and uh, an identical match to her older sister and was going to have the exact same chromosomal abnormality. And and so we were crushed and devastated all over again, not because of us, you know, we were we were grateful to have another incredible kiddo, but but because of her, we knew what her life was going to be and the hardship that she would have to endure. And it took us a long time to regain our composure and we headed back to the car. And I remember putting Hannah in in the carrier and kind of locking her into the base of the car seat and then getting into the car. And before I turned the ignition over, the Holy Spirit spoke as clearly to me as I'm speaking to you and said, I have counted you worthy to mm. do this twice. Mm. And, and I turned to Mary and I said, you're not going to believe what God just said to me. And I told her and she said, I, I feel the same thing. I heard the same thing. Mm. And so I believe that we have been counted worthy. And I think that's my understanding of suffering. I believe that God entrusts it to us because through it, he does something in us that he might not have accomplished otherwise. And it's not easy and it's not fun and you don't have to act like it ever is. But I also don't believe it's ever wasted in, in the hands of God. And and that's the only way I understand a verse like Romans 8, 28, you know, right? Uh, which gets quoted often in seasons of suffering yeah. as, it, as it should be. But we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose only because he is always good, even though this is really bad. And it's it's just that he's not going to waste it.
0: Certainly done an incredible job with your kids and with your family and just watching from a distance and seeing how you do life and how you've walked through this. And Connor, I'm just wondering, I asked Mary, I remember asking Mary this question because I just was like, tell me about your other kids. Are are they just incredible? You know, have they just, learned so much through this journey of their sisters. And are they just the most giving and wonderful kids ever? Yeah. So talk a little bit about your family dynamic and how you have balanced life with these two very separate, you know, children situations and helping your, your, your kiddos learn to serve and love and be patient and all of the things and you and you just raise these incredible humans how's that all look just on a day-to-day basis
2: well i appreciate i am proud of my kids i will also tell you they are every teenagers and and turkeys just like everybody (laughs) else's you know sure but i i'll try to illustrate it like this lisa so you know I, i can remember the first time my dad took me to a hardware store and i got to watch the process of a key being cut and if you've ever seen it done, you know, that they they a raw piece of metal and they lay it down over what is called the master key. And, and then the technician takes a grinding wheel and moves it up against the master key and it sparks and it makes noise and it creates dust as he is cutting that raw piece of metal to look just like the master. And and when you're finished, that key that has been fashioned unlocks something very specific. And and I think that suffering is the same way. I, I think Jesus is the master. And our pain and difficulty and hardship are the the wheel that God grinds against us. And it fashions and and shapes us, even though it's messy and noisy. And at times it feels very painful as the process is taking place. But through it, we look more like Jesus when we're done. And God uses it to unlock specific things. And so what I have seen God unlock in my Kiddos, my oldest daughter Catherine has a passion to serve others, and she's now believes she's called to the nursing profession. I can just tell you, she'll have an incredible bedside manner. She has a unique understanding of the family dynamic that I think will make her a very sensitive. A medical professional. My son Coleman thinks he wants to be a physician. And so we'll see how God uses them, but but they're very sensitive to others, especially yeah. to individuals navigating disabilities. My daughter Campbell, the youngest, doesn't know life without her sisters. Sure. Uh, my older two can remember what it was like before, but, but my youngest doesn't know any different. And so when we go to a restaurant, she's just used to us having to say, excuse me over and over as we rearrange furniture to accommodate two wheelchairs and when the girls make weird noises at inopportune times and when they drool and people stare. And and so, you know, my kids are just sensitive in, in a unique yeah. way. They have an understanding and a patience and a sensitivity. Both of my older children and also even Campbell work with our special needs ministry at the church. And mm-hmm. I'm very proud of that. And uh, mm-hmm they have a u- unique dynamic and and an ability to kind of go in. And, and so I, I don't know, I, I just get to see God unlock some really cool things. And he's used the difficulty of suffering. But like, this is the part I'm committed to. It's not easy. Yeah. Like they've been embarrassed, you know, at the school functions when we, their sisters are the noisy ones in the back of the room or mom and dad have to get up because one of them got upset and and is now squawking at the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we are the weird family at every restaurant and we do road trip with two vehicles and our our gas station stops are longer than anyone else and diaper changes, you know, Coleman has to help hold up a a blanket or a sheet just to provide his sister some dignity as we're trying to change their pants. The, it's really hard. Like Yeah. I'm committed to be honest about the hard and also maintain a commitment that God is still good in the middle of it. And and I think the suffering key has been something God has used to unlock that deeper understanding in my in my other three kids that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise.
1: So encouraging and so fabulous to hear how the Lord is using you and the ministry, the special needs ministry at both of our campuses is the best in the area. So if you're listening and you have a special needs child, I would encourage you to check it out because it is unusual. We have the best of the best. We have the best equipment and we are ready for your child. Mm -hmm. I want to shift gears for just a minute to talk about raising your kids to be ready for this world. As you know, the, there's all kinds of things going in the schools, going on inside the schools that are not a part of our belief system. Well, uh, there are things going on in the world that we're having to explain to our kids like never before. And for me, at my age, it feels like it's the worst it's ever been, even though the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. They, deal, they dealt with this before. I don't know. I, I just I can get all out of sorts in a hurry. If I don't remember who's in charge. So sure. tell me what, what you did to prepare Catherine for college, what you're doing to prepare the other two to live in a world that is spinning out of control.
2: Well, I don't know. I mean, I am I tell my oldest all the time, you know, we're learning on you. So so like, yeah. we're sorry, like we're messing you <laughs> up and, and, uh, and we're figuring it out. I, I think that one of the things I try to encourage parents with often is the most important thing you can tell your children is that mom and dad need Jesus too. And uh, that's the reason that Jesus came. And so, because we all mess up. And mom and dad mess up sometimes as parents, sometimes as husband and wives, and sometimes as bosses or as employees. And, and that's the reason that Jesus came is because we all mess up and we're all in need of forgiveness. And so ask your children for forgiveness when you need to. Take ownership of the things that you mess up. And I think that models the necessity of the gospel as a primary instrument in the family. And, and then I think Somebody said a long time ago to me that, and this is proven true, quant- quality time, quality moments, quality you know experience will happen in the midst of quantity time and quantity moments and quantity experiences. And, and this is just proven true. So I've had some of the best conversations with my teenage kids as we've run to Kroger to pick up something that mom forgot at the store. And I didn't schedule that. I just invited him. Do you want to hop in? We forgot to get mom, forgot to get milk. Or do you want to hop in? Mom's asked us to pick up the cleaning. Or do you want to roll? I'm going to go pick up Chick-fil-A. And and in those just, it, it may be 13 minutes between Kroger and the house, but it's just been amazing how God has given us some quality moments in the midst of that, just hopping in the car, that quantity time that we take for granted. And so You know, we're all tired and we're all busy and every parent and family has to navigate their own seasons and schedule. But I would just encourage you, like when I go to the hospitals to visit people, I always invite one of my kids to pile in. And you never know when I'm going to have a a really quality moment that shows up in the midst of that quantity time. And and then I think the last thing I would challenge your listener to think through is in, in this day and age of technology, intentionality wins the day. Because if you don't disciple your children, I promise you, Google will. Mm. And uh, and so intentionality wins the day. You have to pay attention to who your kids are reading and what your kids are seeing and what your kids are watching and who they're listening to and how their worldview is taking shape and who's defining truth. And and, and that doesn't happen accidentally. It's in it requires an intentionality. And and if if I mean like Google is just at their fingertips. And so. They've got a wealth of information and it may not be good and it may not be true, but it's there. And so if we refuse to step into the fray and enter into the intentional conversations and need for parenting discipleship, then the else or something else is going to step up and take our place.
0: It's true. Life happens in those mundane moments, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, I mean, that's where you build a life is just in those runs to Kroger, And those conversations through the Chick-fil-A line and all of those things, people get so wrapped around the big moments of life, but man, these, these little moments where is where it all takes place. We're about to close up here, but I want to ask your just thoughts on this as we, as we close so much, so many times in life, when suffering comes our way, our first response is why God? And then the worst response would be to walk away altogether. You know, yeah. how could this happen? And I don't want to be a part of this if, if this is what God thinks is best for me. You know, what would you say to someone who is in the midst of that and they've thrown their hands up in the air with, with the questions to God and wondering, where are you, God? How did this happen? And wondering, you know, maybe this isn't for me. You know, how does I just don't get how this happened? And, I, and I'm and i planning on walking away. What do you say?
2: Yeah, that's I'm sensitive to that because, again, Mary and I had a lot of well-meaning people tell us some very unhelpful things. I think the three things I would say, one is I'm really sorry. So whoever your listener is uh, today that is navigating their own season of suffering and it's hard and they're thinking about giving up and it just feels so terribly unfair, I just want to say I'm really sorry. I am so sorry that you're having to navigate that pain and endure that difficulty and that hardship that God has entrusted to you. I am so sorry. The second thing I would say is this stinks. it's awful and you don't have to act like it's good uh, when it's not, you don't have to act like it's fine when it hurts. You don't have to act like it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's awful and it's not good and you can call it that and God can handle it. And, yeah. And and so I'm so sorry. And and this is awful. And and you need to hear somebody say that this is awful and everybody's awful is different. Right. So don't compare your awful to someone right. else's awful because it's yours. It's what yeah. God has entrusted to you. And the last thing and most important is that God loves you. And the gospel is the greatest evidence that that is true, that God loves us so much that he sent his son to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And so he has made a way to be with you forever and ever and ever. And there is no amount of pain or difficulty or hardship that can keep you separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And Mm. and so I would, again, I'm really sorry. This is awful, but I promise God loves you. Mm. And I hope that would bring comfort.
1: Yeah. Well, Connor, we have enjoyed having you on. There's a lot, a lot of information to think about and absorb. And you have written a book called Counted Worthy. Why don't you tell our listeners where it's available, how they can get a hold of it?
2: Well, I think the easiest way, honestly, is Amazon. Of course, we also sell this through the Preston Wood Bookstore, if you're able to to make it to our Plano campus. But it's always available online directly through Amazon. and, And I hope that it is an encouragement to anybody who's willing to pick it up.
1: All right. Well, we've loved having you on. And you encourage me personally every week. And I am thrilled to be sitting under your teaching and serving at this place. And we just love you and appreciate you so much. Thank you for being on.
2: Thanks, Chrissy. You and Lisa are awesome, and I'm grateful for your ministry, both of you.
0: Thank you, Connor. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of The Wonder Podcast. We are thrilled that you've spent this time with us. Just want to say thank you. We also want to make sure you're aware that we have another podcast called Raising Sinners. It's on the Christian Parenting Network, and we would love for you to join us there, too. If you've got kiddos or know someone who does, check us out at Raising Sinners, the podcast for parents. And lastly, Chrissy and I also want to just thank those of you who have been so generous to support our podcast ministry. If you're interested in doing that, we would love for you to go to Chrissydunham.org org and click on the party table. You can make any size donation and all of those proceeds go to help us with our podcast ministry. So if you've done that before, we thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you'd like to check it out, please do. So God bless you and thanks again for listening to this episode of the Wonder Podcast.